What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pachalki. What's up, TP? How you doing, man? I'm excited to see this Toronto-Cleveland game. Yeah, no, it's shaping out to be a good good game, good series. Uh, before we start, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow the show at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword, The Sports Kingdom Show. Check us out now on Anchor as well, anchor.fm slash TSK Show, or just download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. This week on the TSK Show, we are going to go over everything going on in the NBA playoffs. The Cavs and Raptors open their series right now as we speak. It's in the second quarter. Raptors are up 22-15 to 15 in the first quarter. And probably by the time we are done recording this, the Pelicans and Warriors game two will have started, and Steph Curry is 100% healthy and playing tonight. I also have a two-minute drill of topics to run by Tyler to see what he thinks. But first, we have to go over the NFL draft and how we think the Seahawks and Rams did in the draft. Tyler, you want to start with the Seahawks? Yeah, let's do it. The, the draft was sick. Baker Mayfield, Cleveland, Cleveland basically semi-blew it. Yeah. You know no, they, no, they blew it. No, they for sure blew it. They blew it. They I think before we dive dive in, I just we gotta we gotta talk about this really quick. I was right. What? Well I said oh, they're, they're gonna, gonna blow, blow it. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean I think they could have got their guy at four. If they the only thing the only reason why I said semi blow is because I think if you really believe in the guy that you want, like if they really believe in Baker, you can't pass on him. Yeah. But I think they could have took it in Saquon number one and been okay with Baker going for Saquon's probably the happiest guy in the world going yeah, to New York. I He's from the, New York. Yeah, I guess the only like the only risk there would have been if the Giants like Baker Mayfield because I think the Jets were going to go Darnold no matter what. Yeah, for so sure. If the Giants, you know, like Baker, that was their only risk, so they went Baker. And then, you know, I think they I think they blew it with the number four pick as well. Um, the the corner, the undersized corner. What was yeah. The why am I drawing a blank? Oh, Denzel Ward. He's like uh, six foot, 185 pound corner. Now, like if he turns out to be a stud, he's like an all pro corner. You need guys in the NFL to play coverage. But um, someone put it as one of one of the guys covering the draft put it best. It's like they didn't get the best offense or defensive player. Yeah, with the, with the number one and the number number four pick. And know, it's like right. when they you ha- took Chubb, I think. Yeah, and when you have that high of picks, how how can you mess that up on not getting the best available players? Yeah, I think Chubb was the the definite pick there, and I think Denver was trying to trade that pick, and the only reason they win Chubb is because he was he was available. available they, didn't, they didn't think he was going to be there, and now Chubb and Vaughn Miller are going to fuck people up. Oh, Vaughn! So, did you see that video on social media of Vaughn Miller going crazy when they drafted him? Yeah, it's going to be yeah because he he he's. He went live. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, outside of Cleveland blowing it, uh, I think Seattle did a great job. I think obviously the headline was Shaquem Griffin. Yeah, that was. Which I'm glad that they made it happen. We always a feel, about it. always yeah. a feel good moment. Yeah. You called it. Yeah, I mean, every, I think there was a lot of people who called it just because his brother being there was like a good fit, um, and we had a bunch of picks in that kind of range. 
it was a little surprising you went all the way to the fifth round, but it's uh it's super it's it's cool that we got him. Uh, outside of that, we went with Rashad Penny in the first round, running back out of San Diego State. Um, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I, no. I don't know. I'm not very good at evaluating running back talent out of out of college. You know, there's there's always the superstar guys that are at the top, uh, especially the last couple of years. But outside of that, it's tough for me to. I don't. I don't think I watch enough college football to really know who translates. Yeah. Well, because the best players in college aren't necessarily the best running backs. Um, but I I trust John uh, Pete Carroll and John Snyder, so I think he's gonna be like our bell cow back. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense to me. So yeah, and then we we were also this. I think we snagged a couple of people outside of uh, you know that slid down. Um, Rasheem Rasheem Green, the defensive out of USC. Um, ESPN had him as their number three defensive end. He was a third round pick. And then Will Disley, the tight end at UW, he's like a converted defensive player at the tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hasn't been playing the position very long, and he's a completely just a, a blocking tight end. Um, he was rated the number nine tight end in the draft, and we got him as the fourth round, twentieth overall pick. Um, so I think he's gonna he's gonna complement our guys. We took Nick Manette last year out of Ohio State, and I think he's a stud. He's more of a pass catcher. Yeah. Um, Luke Wilson can do it all. So Disley's a, a nice com- uh, complement to tight ends. After losing, yeah, Jimmy you really Graham. have a well-rounded tight end group. Yeah, right yeah, there. we lost Jimmy Graham, and now we're gonna have a three-man unit, so that's that's not bad. And then I got to shout out the punter that we took in the fifth round, uh, Michael Dixon. Not a lot of people know this. Not been playing football very long. From Australia, uh, played Aussie rules. Then he's only played three years of college football. That's his only organized football. Oh wow! Um, won the Ray Guy Best Punter Award the last two years. Um, you know, he's an athletic kid, so it's hey. going to be cool. He played, he played in Aussie rules, which is like Australian football. It's kind of a little different, but he played, he played other positions. He wasn't just a kicker. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool. And we got a tackle in the fifth round that slid big time too. He was a top 10 tackle on ESPN's uh, big board and we got him in the fifth round. Yeah. And to, to go back to the punter real quick, that, that obviously means Seahawks are now moving on from John Ryan. Yeah, that's sad. I, I didn't even know. I don't think anybody in the Seahawks, like, fan base knew that we were moving on from yeah. John Ryan. I don't know if Seattle knew, but I think they think this kid's that good, you know. John Ryan, frequent regular at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, Sherman Oaks. Yeah, Sherman Co- Oaks residence. Yeah. Yeah, we see, we've seen him quite a served, bit. H- served him multiple times. But I think he's going to be uh, he's gonna be a good player. I mean, he's just like an interesting case. He hasn't been playing very long. He's super young. I think he's only – I don't think he's had his 21st birthday yet. Oh, wow. But, I mean, so. n- yeah, I mean, you're seeing this trend now a lot of you see these player, these rugby, rugby players or Australian Football League players – coming over and trying to make it in the NFL and we'll see if uh, he can do it. Cause that's like the sports they're exposed to. So they don't really have an, there's not a lot of uh, places that have American football really yeah. like, you know, established. So um, overall, I think Seattle did good. Uh, I thought we were going to take a quarterback. We didn't take a quarterback outside of that. We basically went with the positions I thought we were going to go with. Yeah. And then, so for the Rams, they had eight picks going into the draft and through some trades, they ended up getting 11 total picks in the draft. Seven defensive picks, four offensive picks. Like I said last week, I think the Rams, they've done an incredible job revamping their defense. They needed to draft linebackers and edge rushers. Got rid of Tavon on draft day. Yeah, that was a big thing. Got rid of Tavon on draft day for a sixth rounder. I think that was good for both sides. Yeah, Tavon he, needs a fresh start, and Rams don't really need him. Yeah, exactly. He... he couldn't really find a fit in Sean McVay's system. They used him a lot as a decoy. 
went through some injuries. Played a lot of running back. Played a lot of running back. And also, he lost the returning job to Farrah Cooper after a couple fumbles. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there was really no place for Tavon Austin anymore. Yeah. He signed that big deal two years ago under Jeff Fisher, and he just didn't really live up to it. No. He, I really like Tavon, too. He's a playmaker. Yeah. But uh, – Fresh start in Dallas, though. I think that was good. Yeah, exactly. But, like I said, the Rams needed to draft linebackers and edge rushers to complete that defensive transformation mm-hmm. um, and complement that strong defensive front and secondary. They basically need nothing on offense. Yeah, and now, I mean, there's definitely going to be a competition at linebacker during camp. The Rams picked up uh, Micah Kaiser, who is from Virginia. He's a linebacker from Virginia. and He's that, like a tackling machine. Yeah, that, that's uh, how they. That's how they kept describing him on draft day. Was he's a tackling machine? Yeah, just one of those old school like free roaming linebackers. He'll be able to play in the middle of your. De- he'll be able to play in the middle of the defense, and with Aaron Donald and Sue and those guys absorbing all these blocks, he could be. He could be really good right away. He could be a hundred tackle a year guy. You know? Yeah, I mean, most most of the draft experts they were basically describing him as the most polished of the linebackers in the draft. Him and, and then the, him and the Iowa guy. Um, there was an Iowa linebacker, a uh, middle linebacker like him. They were just tackling machines. Yeah, and then the Rams also got probably the biggest steal of the draft. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this name so badly, but Obo Okoronkwo from Oklahoma. He's a linebacker. Yeah. He's probably everyone was saying he's like the biggest steal of the draft. And he was the edge guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just the sole fact that they drafted seven defensive players adds much needed depth to the yeah. defense um that doesn't have a lot of the, the same players returning because we traded a lot of those guys away. Yeah, the veterans got to play good. They got a lot of competition coming in. Yeah, and then on the offensive side, they drafted three offensive linemen. They're going to have the chance to learn under skilled veterans like Andrew Whitworth and Robert Havenstein, and having youth and depth like that just bodes well for an O-line that's getting older. Yeah, and every team drafts linemen. Yeah. You have to get linemen. Every every year, there's not very many good linemen out there. There's not very many good offensive lines out there. You know, there's there's probably five good offensive lines in the NFL. Everybody's always trying to improve. Exactly. And then the one offensive skill player that they drafted, uh, John Kelly, he was teammates with Saints running back Alvin Kamara when he was in college at Tennessee. He's a pass-catching running back and a change-of-pace running back that turn out, he could turn out to be a very nice compliment to Todd Gurley. Yeah, he probably, he probably, his homie probably got him the connection. Probably, Kamara probably told him to check him out. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I definitely think the Rams did very well in the draft. It's, it did. They emphasized the positions that they needed to. Exactly. It's it similar to Seattle. Um, I think we got some players that are going to be studs. I mean, I didn't really talk about Shaquem Griffin too much because I think everyone's really, you know, heard his story quite yeah. a bit. Um, but he's going to be able to play for us right away. Uh, but I think he's going to play outside linebacker for us. Uh, it's not going to be an every down back, but um, his speed is just incredible. Four three eight speed is at 230 pounds is crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's so strong that he's going to be a monster on, like, punt, kickoff, you know, playing play the outside. Yeah, he's, no one's going to be able to block him. I have a feeling Pete Carroll is a, is a smart enough guy that he's going to find a way to use him. He's uh, – it's a great – it's it's a great pick. I mean, he's just going to be so useful for them. Out, you know, we're not – they're not going to be paying him anything. Yeah, you know, exactly. Late in the draft, he's going to be on multiple different teams for you. 
uh, saving roster spots, you know. So, yeah. So uh, he's a utility guy. A utility, yeah, exactly. So you know, uh, hats off to the Seahawks for making that happen. Yeah. So I mean, we're that much closer to the start of the regular season. I yeah. Know. I'm excited to see which one of uh, the, especially the Seahawks guys, which one of these draft picks you know comes out to be a start because odds are one of these guys I don't know is going to be a stud. Yeah. I mean, I think for both teams, they've. Yeah. both been able and, to draft well and neither one of our teams i mean outside of our first round draft pick what was your first pick like it was in the third round our yeah. first our first so, our first round draft pick was brandon cooks yeah so seattle seattle and, and los angeles they got all these middle round guys that could be studs but we don't really know them right now yeah because uh, and seattle you know taking a blocking tight end and a defensive end and they're you know two other first three picks those aren't like sexy picks but you know, we got a safety, uh, a Shaquem Griffin, a, a, an interesting punter, and some linemen. It'll be, we'll see which one's a stud. Yeah. So now we'll move to our favorite time of the year, the NBA playoffs. Yes. So let's start off in the East. It was all chalk in the Eastern Conference. The top four seeds all advanced to the conference semis. Let's just start with Toronto and Cleveland. They're playing right now. Yeah, Cleveland got lucky that they're uh, in the second round right now. Um, yeah. I don't normally say this, but I think outside of, like, LeBron and the refs, there's no reason why they got outplayed. Indiana's playing better basketball. Yeah. Indiana was a better team. Uh, Cleveland's lucky. Yeah, Oh, and, I mean, Victor Oladipo just was unreal in that series. Yeah, he had a slow start in game seven, but he pulled it together, made yeah. it happen. But just not enough to get past – get past LeBron right now yeah and then obviously the goaltending call is the tough one but oh, I don't want to I don't even, I'm not even gonna tough, bring it it's up. tough to blame refs you know what I mean because there's so many other things that the team could have done exactly earlier in the game to set up the win but yeah still they could have put that game away Cleveland, a lot earlier Cleveland's flirting with death yeah they are playing with fire but this is the third straight year the Cavs and Raptors have met in the playoffs last year they met in the conference semis and then the year before that they met in the conference finals the Raptors are the number one seed this year, but as we've seen in the past and in this year's playoffs, once LeBron gets going, it's it's hard to stop him. Yeah, they don't have anybody to stop him. So would you agree that this Raptors team is probably the best Raptors team LeBron and the Cavs have faced over the past few years? Yeah, this is the best one. They've always continued to get better. Yeah. So, But I, I mean, I still just don't think it's enough. I think, yeah. I think Cleveland's going to win this in the six or seven. Yeah, we've, we've both been saying it. We both think it's going to be Cavs and Warriors still in the finals. And until LeBron proves me otherwise, I'm, I'm going to have to go with it. Yeah, and to me, Cleveland, the one thing Cleveland has to do is start Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Like, they're, su they're, 100 they're such a better basketball team when Tristan Thompson's playing because – he brings them all their their energy on the offensive glass. He's their rim protector. You know, he's their only true center. Um, Kevin Love just playing center is not the same. Yeah, no. And, and LeBron playing the four is not the same. So I, I really think they need Tristan Thompson. Yeah, and I, I can't remember which game it was in the Indiana series, but when they finally decided to start Tristan Thompson. Game seven. Yeah, okay, so game seven. Game seven, they started all the guys from the 2016 As much of 2016 as, as was all left. Five, the only ones they have. Yeah, the only five. ones they have left. Yeah. Which is smart. They've been through it together, That's and that's why they need Tristan Thompson. That's their most trusted lineup. Tristan Thompson and, and Kevin Love is, is nice together. It, I, it works, but they have to be playing well, too. Kevin Love's got to step it up, too. He's played good enough, but he's got to play player better than that if they want to keep advancing. I was also really hoping for like Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance to have a much bigger impact 
in the playoffs. Honestly, I hate their shot selection. Yeah, they haven't been playing well. It's like Forrester just like obviously trying to get up their shot when they get the ball, but it doesn't look good. Yeah. And that's the thing is like that's why Cleveland is flirting with death I, I, because they're not playing well. Watch Utah. Watch how Indiana played. Yeah, they're not watch playing nice, fluid played. basketball. They're playing well right now. That Philly, you know what I mean? The teams that advance are playing well right now. Um, they're not playing well. Yeah. They're just dribble and shoot. Yeah, exactly. That's not, but, that's not what you want. I mean, I have I have the Cavs winning the series in like six or seven games. I, yeah. don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but it is going to be a dogfight. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good series. And Toronto's definitely going to win a couple games. But I think Cleveland, at, at the end of the day, LeBron's going to have enough in the tank to, to will them past this round. Exactly. And, I mean, don't get me started on his – I'm tired comments in the post game interview. Everybody's tired at this point. Like you want to go home. That's yeah. fine. You finish your press yeah. press conference. Yeah, like, come he on, did. Dude. He told him. He's like, let's go. Let's do this. Ugh. He's such a complainer. Hey, whatever. It's, it's, that's the era we're in. <laughs> that's how they do it now. Yeah. Now the other series, the other, the other conference semifinals, the two, three matchup, the Celtics and the Sixers. I don't know how, but the Celtics managed to do it again. Monday night. After a crazy Game 7 in the first round against the Bucks, Celtics absolutely dominated the Sixers in Game 1, 117-101. Jalen Brown didn't even play in the game. And if you don't know, didn't know who he was before, you know who he is now. Terry Rozier went off. Yeah, he's killing. He's been the kind of the big spark of the playoffs, I would say. Yeah. Uh, he, as far as, like, making a name for yourself. Yeah, in, ga- in Game 1 against the Sixers, he had 29 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 7-9 from 3-point. And then Al Horford added 26.7 rebounds. Jason Tatum had 28 points of his own. Rogier, ha- uh, Horford, and Tatum were the first Celtics to score at least 25 points in a non-overtime playoff game since 1987 when Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish did it. And that's some pretty nice company to have. It's all Brad Stevens. <laughs> You know, just taking all the credit away from the players, just give it all to Brad Stevens. Yeah, because those guys, he's he's getting maximum, he's getting maximum stats, he's getting maximum production. Yeah, out of guys that no, I don't think he's there. Anyone else is getting that kind of production out of him. And no one was expecting them, let alone when they lost Gordon Hayward game one. Then when they lose Kyrie Irving for the entire playoffs, no one was expecting this. They shouldn't fucking pay anybody. Ever they yeah. they should they don't need to like Brad Stevens they have two max guys and they're not they just won the series without them yeah so it's like it's not like they're a team that doesn't have superstars you know so they built it a different way no this was a team built with superstars that doesn't have them so they have fucking backups playing yeah you know what I mean uh, Brad Stevens is right they should they should not be winning games right now no I, I mean you know they had no they have no one on their team that should have been able to stop Giannis they they did that. They got no one on their team that should be able to stop Joel Embiid and Simmons. They did that. They're probably going to win. I think they're probably going to win this series in like five. I haven't. They win- just seem them like the more mature team. I mean, now I've now and I've also counted Philly out from the jump. So like, and I've been wrong about them so far. They keep winning games, but but the the one thing that Boston did that other team or well that Miami couldn't do to Philadelphia, they found a way to make Ben Simmons ineffective because he doesn't shoot the ball. No, you no, yeah, I wouldn't guard him anywhere inside in anywhere outside the free throw line. Yeah. You rondo him. Yeah, exactly. Put some why don't they put a fucking center on him? You know what I mean? Like he is why, 6'10". Why, like why don't you just put a center on him someone just to stand with length 
get wide and make it hard for him. Make it make it a longer trip to get to the rim. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Sixers. Brad Stevens again, though. Yeah, he'll be able to find that. He'll be able to make that coaching adjustment. He'll figure out a way to get around it, and they'll figure out a way to win. Popovich, when and I love Pop, but when Pop's gone, Brad Stevens is absolutely one hundred percent the king. He's the best coach the, in the league. The way the way it's going right now, yeah. Yeah, no, he's dominating. But I mean, I think the Celtics are going to win this game or win the series in seven games. I think the Sixers are a tough matchup yeah. for them. And that's and that's probably me more just going like the first game. Obviously, looked yeah bad. So, but. Philly is is a special team. You this got, is a special group of dudes. Didn't think they could do anything. That didn't think they could win fifty games. Didn't think they can get out of the first round. Did both those. Yeah. So I mean, Philly's had Philly's completely overachieved for this season. I think even getting to the second round is yeah, no, the, a yeah. success for them. New Orleans, Utah, Philly, it's all a success. Miami. No, I mean, like, out of the second-round teams. Oh, is the second-round teams? Yeah. Out of the second-round teams, Philly, Utah, and New Orleans, I think all three of those teams didn't expect to be a second-round playoff team. So, yeah, I think they're pretty happy no matter what. No, 100%. So, you got them winning the series in five games, the Celtics? Yeah, that's just, like, what I – I didn't really think – you know, I <laughs> haven't really thought about it too much. Um, Do you want to change that, it before that, we move on to the West? No, I mean, yeah, I think I think Boston's gonna win the series pretty easily. Maybe okay. maybe six, I guess. I don't think it's gonna go seven. I okay, I have yeah. it going seven. Yeah. I just I just think game seven in Boston for a chance to go to the the conference finals, potentially against LeBron, that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. And it's Celtic Sixers, that rivalry from the eighties was big. Doctor J, Larry Bird. It's great for basketball yeah. to have those big uh These those are two big, these big are teams, two yeah. like blue blood teams as you would say in college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, you got like New York, Boston. You got New York, Boston, and Philly. You know. Yeah, and LA. Well, I mean, as far as that area, you yeah. Know what I'm seeing. No, I feel you. But all right, let's move to the West. Let's do it. Let's start with. We'll, we'll start with Houston. Um, Houston in the first game, they got they jumped out, and got got a big time lead. Uh, but man, Utah made a crazy like last effort. That, that I think it was 19 to three at one point run. Yeah. In between the third and the fourth quarter, got it within to ten, and then you know Houston kind of put their foot on the gas again and, and got away with the win. But this Jazz team, I, I I'm hyped on them right now. It's really it's really unfortunate that Ricky Rubio got hurt because this series could have been a lot more competitive. But yeah, now I, I don't think yeah I don't think either way Jazz could have won, but it definitely took away from the series. Yeah, uh, I would have liked to seen Rubio play. I think they're worn out. I think this team's like been. Te- battle tested they um, just had to go against the ok3 yeah and it was uh it was, it was a, a hell of a, it was and a the, battle you know they're starting royce o'neill an undrafted guy yeah uh, so against the best team in the nba but if they still you know even if they still like just one win against houston they they're a team that i i don't think thought that they could win a game against the best team in the nba in the pl- second round of the playoffs yeah, no. They had, a great, I, they had a great season, but unfortunately, I think this is where it ends. Yeah, I think this is where it ends, too, and it, it's going to be a gentleman sweep. It's going to end in five games. And and kudos to their coach, Quinn Snyder, too, because – Potential coach they, of the year. They lost their maximum contract guy, and they replaced him with the guy – what was uh, Dobbin Mitchell, like the, the 13th pick? Yeah, something or like something that. Or something like that. You know, not he wasn't like a top three guy. You know? Yeah, so no, you but got, he would be if they redid the draft today. Yep, and they made and they made the playoffs in the West. 
Um, Which is always hard to do. Yeah, so I, I I would like to see them win a game in uh in Utah. I think they'll win Rock, one game Rockets at home. Rockets will close it out at home. Yeah, exactly. So five games for me, five games for you. Yeah, yeah. James uh, Harden, Chris Paul, they're just going to be too much. It's so funny. It, I was, <laughs> I was last when I watched that game one. It's like when you watch James Harden his step back three is like comical. Oh yeah! Like, oh my God! This is so, so easy. So easy. So it's fluid. So, it's so easy. And then like once out of every five plays, he just blows to the rack. You know, so yeah. it's like you can't you can't stop it. He, he's he's unguardable right now. It'll be fun to see. It'll be it's going to be fun to see. Moving on to the next round, the Warriors and the and the Rockets. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I mean, obviously, I think the the Warriors are going to win this series. Um. Ant Davis could win it, win win a game for him um, in New Orleans, but it'll more than likely, I think, be a sweep. No, I, I think I think Ant Davis is good for one more win. So I, it, it it'll probably go five games. Yeah, and and it was you know that was it was a close game. I think Golden State was kind of worried after the first quarter. But yeah, after the first quarter, you and just then had they... another one of those Golden State quarters. It's this classic. They just blow you out. They won they won by twenty. They, they scored forty one points in the second quarter. Uh, it's just like when you get beat like that right before halftime, I think it just takes the wind out of your sails, you know. And and Golden State doesn't have anybody to stop Ant Davis, but no, but Golden State's just the best team. They are still the dogs to beat. Yeah, uh, and I mean they don't even need Steph Curry. I, I I honestly, in my opinion, don't think that they should play him this series at all. I think he's gonna be on a minutes restrictions. Depending on how the series goes, like tonight, tonight I don't think he's gonna play more than twenty. And the cool thing about minutes. the Warriors is they are like just so relaxed and, and they're so ready. You know, they're on cruise they can, control. They could bring Curry off the bench for a game or two if they <laughs> wanted to. You know, like they, Steve Kerr's like letting people coach. It's just like they're relaxed. They're ready to go. They know they're winning. It. Yeah, and then Draymond just had an absolutely unreal game. It, he's like the face of their team. You know, as far as the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Curry and Durant are the offensive guys, but on defense, Draymond's everything, and and you need players like we've said a million times, like Draymond and Clay, to to be this good. Yeah, exactly. They're complimenting superstars. They're not even they're a superstar that compliments other superstars, which is just unreal to yeah. think about. Yeah, that's why they don't. They really probably don't even need Steph to win the title this year, but it's no. gonna be fun to see Steph and James Harden and all those guys. That Houston. Golden State series, if we get it, which we probably will, that's going to be probably one of the most fun playoff series we've witnessed in the past 15, 20 years. It's going to be a lot of buckets, that's for sure. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if the games ended 136 to 132. Yeah, and, it, and it's going to be off. It's going to be who can keep scoring. I don't think it's going to be who can stop who. It's going to be who can score more. Yeah, exactly. They're not They're not going to play defense in that series. It's just going to – they're going to try and just outscore each other. James Harden, Durant, it's crazy. Oklahoma City, man, they had three of the – three of the best four players on one team <laughs> yeah like it's it's like james harden's gonna be the mvp this year russell westbrook russell added a triple double again last two years and durant is the best player on the best team and he's the reigning finals so, mvp i mean okc had the mvp the finals mvp and mr triple double and, and, and a, a two-time triple double average guy on and an one, mvp on one fucking team i've said it probably a hundred times on this podcast I cannot wait for that thirty for thirty in twenty years. Oh God, I want to go on a rant. <laughs> I want to go on a rant right now about the Sonics, but I'm not going do it, to. Do it, it. No, do no, it. I can't. I can't, dude. It's just, 
it's just crazy. I mean, it's just bullshit how it all I went know. down. You know, I so. know. Hey, man, I keep saying, yeah. Clippers, bye. Go to Seattle. If you got some time, look at the four draft picks before Kevin Durant, and then look <laughs> at the four after Kevin Durant, and just get back to me on that. All right. So. Yeah, I got Warriors sweeping it. Yeah, I got Warriors in five. So, I guess that wraps up uh, the NBA playoffs segment. Yep, yep. ready Mo- to go. Moving quick today. Yeah, hey. Getting the good stuff out. I also forgot to mention at the top, this is our 30th episode. Yep, 30 in. So uh, this has been a hell of a ride. Yeah, no, it's good. It went by fast. Yeah, we appreciate everybody that's been here from the start, the middle, to this is the first time listening to the episode. I'm ready for the next 30. Yeah, exactly. So, Tyler, let's set the clock. Let's do it. Oh, yeah, here. I got it. You got the clock? Oh, well, yeah, you you should probably set it, I guess. Yeah. since Since you're running this. All right. So I got a two-minute drill of topics for uh, Tyler. I got five topics. They range from all sports, from basketball to football <laughs> to baseball. To baseball, the sport that sport that other kids play. Yeah, let's let's see how this goes. For the first for the first one, I am just so glad that you are wearing the jersey you are wearing. Yeah, let's do it. I'm because ready to open up with this it, one. It is a it's Drew great. Bledsoe Patriots jersey, the same exact one that Terry Rozier wore yeah. on Monday before game he, one. Terry Rozier actually borrowed this one. Exact one. So here's the first topic. So over the past few years, NBA players have becoming very publicly petty towards one another whether it's on social media or in post-game press conferences. Most recently, we saw Eric Bledsoe and Terry Rozier go at it, and then before game one against the Sixers, Rozier wore the Drew Bledsoe Patriots jersey after calling Eric Bledsoe Drew in a post-game press conference during their series against the Bucks. Do you like the pettiness in the NBA between players, and does it add to the drama of the NBA? Go. I love the pettiness of the <laughs> NBA players. I think it does add to the drama. It's kind of cool. I'm glad that it's gone this way because the social media generation, which I think is like starts with like LeBron's class. For sure. You know, even though like he probably didn't do social media when he was growing up, but like he's like that, the superstar of that time. Right. Um, at first it was like they were just buddy buddy. And I didn't really like it because I think back in the day people fought, you know what I mean? It was yeah. like people didn't like it was us against you type of scenario if you're not with me you're against me yeah uh, it makes the game so much better and if they uh, were friends and i'm glad i'm glad that like it i'm glad that it evolved from the banana boat boys yeah. to the petty shit yeah even you know because like whatever yeah it may be a little petty but i think it adds to it i mean that's just hilarious to to for rogier to rock uh, the jersey after sending them home. You yeah, know what I mean? Like that's you're not, the ultimate. The next time they play, you're going to want to watch. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think it adds a bunch of drama. Well, that's like that's like when the Celtics showed up to D.C. last year in all black for the funeral, yeah. but then Washington ended up winning. Yeah, no. The, and it can work. Yeah, it's just – it depends on who you are. You know, it's shit, talking shit either motivates you or kind of like gets in your head. Right. You know what I mean? I think for some people, it's like, oh, I'm talking shit. I got to step it up. I can't, you know. But I, I like the pettiness. It's not really talking shit. It's just yeah. like, I like that it's evolved. I, you know, I like people like Rondo and Russell Westbrook that are kind of old school mentality. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that it, the league's going that way yeah. instead of the, but also, uh, also, the friendly. I don't want people being friends. Yeah. So, I mean, like back in, back in the days, like during the 80s and everything, if players were friends – 
and they were friendly off the court, you didn't see it. No, you didn't know. It was a different time, so it's it's hard to compare because their their lives weren't under microscopes like like they are now. Yeah, everyone, everything is just so much more highly critiqued. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Two minutes is up. All right, next topic. One of the biggest storylines this NBA season was obviously Kawhi Leonard and his injury. More and more reports keep coming out about how the Spurs don't trust the team of people around Kawhi, and then the people around Kawhi want him in a bigger market. So will Kawhi start next season on the Spurs? And if not, give me your top three destinations for where Kawhi will land. Oh, man, this is tough. I just – it's – San Antonio's predicament is just so crazy, you know. I feel like I know nothing that's going on. I don't know any of the specifics because they're not on the same page. And like we've said before, it's just so unlike this franchise yeah. to to be in this scenario. But, uh, I I mean, at this point, I don't see how he could start for them next year. Yeah, unless – I mean, I've, I didn't think that, that was possible like a month – or you know, not a month ago, but like when the season started or at, at the All-Star break, I didn't think there was any way possible that – Kawhi wasn't a spur next year, but now it's like Miami is a is a great fit. I think that was one of the um, one of the one of the teams they named. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also obviously the Lakers. Yep, um, that's going to be interesting to see. That's another great topic. Is is Ingram? Do you, would you want to trade Ingram? You know, for for a Kawhi. And We're going to need uh, a lot more than two minutes yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but another spot outside of those two are like the the two big ones. I mean, I I probably have to think about it. Could you see him going like, to Philly? No, I don't think Philly's looking for that. And I, I I mean, if if his team's got a problem with the market in San Antonio, like how are they going to feel about him being third fiddle for a seventy sixer team? You know what I mean? I don't think he'd be third fiddle though. I mean, coming uh, coming in off of not playing an entire season and yeah. being the new guy on the team, and Philly is already falling in love with Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. You know I mean, like, I'm not saying the third fiddle on the court. Right. I mean, I, I mean, in the eyes of the public, I, I think you could. You, could you see him with the Knicks? That could be another one. I th- you know, if I was him, I wouldn't want to go to the Knicks, but that's obviously the Knicks. I think have, it would depend on who they hire as a head coach. And the Knicks have young talent and draft picks that they can trade to get Kawhi. Because, I mean, he's under contract throughout the, throughout the next year for San Antonio, so yeah. you got to trade him, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean – the Knicks could do it. I think the Knicks in the in in Miami and L.A. They have pieces that make sense to trade. That's why those are a little more likely. Now I know I know the timer went off, but the Clippers have two lottery picks in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. Could they make a trade for them? No, I, I don't think I don't think two picks is what I think they're going to look for a first round pick and a, and a and player a, and a player, yeah. a young player or two young players. They yeah. want young talent draft picks. All right. So the third one, we got football. Baker Mayfield's agent told the Monday morning quarterback that the Patriots were potentially going to make a shock trade to number two in the draft to take Mayfield if Cleveland didn't. Does the Patriots and Bill Belichick showing interest in Mayfield mean anything to how he will turn out in the league? No, that's just people trying – that's just them trying to get him hyped, you know? Okay. Uh, I mean – So you're not believing it? No, I believe it. I mean, that's a, that would be an extreme. But they didn't do it. They didn't pull. They didn't pull the trade out. I think you know. 
I think they probably could have made it happen if they really, really wanted to, but well, he, I think he they, didn't go too. So. Yeah, exactly. The only way they were going to make the trade is if Cleveland if, didn't if pick didn't him take, number one. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's an extreme comp- compliment, but... It, uh, yeah, know, that's a huge it, compliment, kinda, I would think. It's kind of like, it's kind of shallow just because they didn't take him and they didn't trade up to get him. They probably could have got him at one if they, you know, if they really liked him that much, but it kind of just speaks to how good Baker really is. I said it last episode it's like i don't think there's anyone beating him in a quarterback competition he will be starting he will be the starting quarterback day one for the browns and i'm not saying out of the league i'm saying out of the teams that we're looking for a quarterback you know if he's going to camp with even like a case keenum or or a sam bradford or or you know he's working these kind of guys bro he's going up against tyrod taylor I just think, yeah, I think he's going to win that. I think he's going to be quarterback uh, day one. I, I hope that he doesn't have to start right away, but he probably will. I mean, he's yeah, the, the Browns pick. will mess this up. They will mess it up. Yeah, no, he's going to win that. He's going to win that quarterback competition because I think he really is a stud quarterback. You know. Yeah. Um, just that competitive drive will put him over the top over anybody that he's. Yeah. In competition so I mean, with. but to answer your question, I think they just did it just to kind of get people stoked about Baker Mayfield in general and and. Give the Cleveland fans like, oh my God, we got the guy the Patriots wanted. Like, yeah, this is just be, like agent talk, kind of yeah. hyping him up. But the Browns, man, they're ready to go. <laughs> I I was really high on the Browns, but I just don't know about that uh, about the uh, going corner at the fourth pick with Bradley Chubb there. I just think that was a huge mistake. Yeah, um, they could have done a lot of different things with that. Four. They could have traded back, um, but that's for another day. Yeah, exactly. So, right in. Right on time. All right. So last month, the NCAA announced that for this coming football season on kickoffs, any fair catch signaled inside the 25-yard line would result in a touchback. The NFL announced that it will modify kickoff rules for this upcoming season as well. In 2011, the NFL moved kickoffs up five yards, and it resulted in a 43% decline in concussions the following season do you like this move by the ncaa and do you think the nfl should follow what college is doing to make the game safer in that regard uh yeah i do because i think kickoff is pretty uh is, is not that important to the game i mean i think the the if it's a, a you know direct stat showing that it's you know saving concussions and all that i think that's just the better way to do it football has got to change out of its old, you know, ways yeah. and get rid of some things that I know traditionally are part of the football game, but it's not safe. It's not really worth it. If you're going to take these risks, you know, I don't think it's on kickoff. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, on, on, on kickoffs, it's literally guys running at full speed downhill. Yeah, kick, kickoff is absolutely 100% the most violent play. Oh, for sure. I think in football. It's, you know, it's also in the trenches is, is very violent, too. But this is a different one because of the speed. Exactly. Know? The yeah. speed at which players yeah. are going, the size at which the players are going, yeah. uh, size that they are. Yeah. I mean, Shaq, Shaquem Griffin is, is 230 pounds. He's running 4'3", 840. That's insane. Uh, if he hits you, at, even at a half speed, you're going to. You're going to feel a, it. You're going to get a concussion. So but yeah, no, I'm down with it. I, I, I uh, it'll be interesting to see how it is. It kind of makes the game boring because the kickoff returns are so electric. But yeah, exactly. They're, I mean, everybody loves to see a kickoff touchdown or yeah. a punt return touchdown. Yeah, that's why I think you know, like the NCAA is still doing kickoff. They're trying to make it to where it's harder and harder and harder. Yeah. But you can still, if you want to return it from the end zone, you can still. Yeah, do it. and you do it at your own risk. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Risk. I don't think 
either college or the NFL will get rid of the kickoff altogether because that it is an added element to the game of yeah. excitement because of potential touchdowns. Yeah, and, but and, I think it'll be a lot less onside, likely. And the onside kick is a part of the game. That's yeah, it's like, strategy. It's strategy. It's 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 used in strategy. Like sometimes you have to make it up. You have to get the play back. But I mean, to me, I just don't. I never under. I, ne- I really never understood. Like, why don't you just do you know the punt? The punt, you know, the kickoff, like on safeties. Yeah, it's, it's the ball hangs the air longer. You're less likely to get these violent like blocking. The ball doesn't go for as far, so the players get there faster. You know. Yeah. All right, last one. So Corey Seager, it was announced yesterday on Monday. He's out for the season with an elbow injury that needs Tommy John surgery. The Dodgers are 12 and 16. Justin Turner is still out injured. Kershaw is 1-4 with a 2.84 ERA. Kenley Jansen has three saves, two blown saves, a 5.59 ERA, and his velocity is definitely not the same as last year. Yeah, so I heard that he's lost five miles an hour. Yeah. So we're a month into the season, and we both know baseball is a very long season, and things don't really start to matter until July-ish. Yeah. Am I crazy to start panicking about the Dodgers? Uh, yeah, I think baseball. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's too much, too much time. Like so many, you have like three or four mini seasons within a season. You know what I mean? This is a really bad start, but a lot of those names. There's some things that are are concerning, like Kenley Jansen. I think that's like the major one that's concerned. I'm not or really Kershaw too. Kershaw, but I still think he's like got it. I don't. Think no, I still think I don't he's think got he, it. I don't think he's hit a wall or anything. I just don't think he's playing really well right yeah. now. Yeah. And, I mean, he's also – the team isn't playing well in general, so when he's out there, he's not getting the run support he yeah, needs. Yeah, you hope Bellinger you hope Bellinger hasn't gotten comfy or just, like, unmotivated or anything. I hope that's I think not he's case. fine. But bad play and getting benched can – that's, that's okay. how you get – that's well, how you come back. No, I don't think he was benched because of what he did. I think he was benched as – as a way for Dave Roberts to kind of kick the team in the ass, like, hey, let's go. Yeah, no, because nothing, nothing gets you more motivated than losing PT. No, yeah, but for Seager, sure. Seager's going to be a tough one for them to bounce back from. That that's a he's a superstar. What really, like, basically m- makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about Seager going down for the entire year is having utility players like Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Players like that we, we, that can play multiple different been, positions. And they've been with the team for so long. Yeah. But I didn't even know it was possible for someone that wasn't a pitcher to get Tommy John surgery. Well, I mean, I figured I've, – I've, <laughs> I thought I was like – I thought I was like a specific, <laughs> like, yo, if you're a pitcher, it's Tommy John's, you know? Well, so, I, I mean, I just feel like any throwing motion. Yeah. But you – I mean, God, he must have really – Well, really it's, been bo- it it's been bothering him since last season. Yeah. That's and, not good though. Isn't that like kind of the RIP on the career? Well, last season he the injury was at a point where it didn't need surgery. So he didn't get surgery. Yeah. Now he needs surgery. So RIP to the career, I guess. <laughs> well, no, no. Not RIP to the career. I hopefully. guess he can still bat. Yeah, he'll he'll be fine. It's it sucks he's out for the year. We wish him the best. But hopefully the Dodgers can get it together because I'm really starting to panic. And I, I, I don't like you it. Still, there's 247 games left. 
You'll be you'll be fine. You'll have there's plenty like of a, time to make up. There's definitely like 130 games left. Yeah, see, that's just like you you know they could have one of those magical months where they win 25 games and then it's like oh shit we're right back we're yeah we're in I mean yeah they now. could they could go on the same magical run that they did last summer but they're, who they're, knows they're a good team I mean they they just they're so solid in bringing players back every year so I, I think their chemistry and all that kind of stuff their locker room they'll figure it out yeah. You know, they might just be tired. You know, they've been making this run with each other for a long time. They just they need to kick in the nuts. Yeah, and this this might be the kick in the nuts that they need. There we go. So, all right, this this was a quick episode. We're not even an hour in. That's hey, it's it's a new day. Yeah, it's a new era. Kids don't have attention spans. Yeah, you know. I don't have an attention span. Well, we know that. I'm like, yeah. So, you got any shout-outs before we get out of here? You know, we talked about him already, but I got a shout-out Terry Rozier. Okay. Scary uh, Terry, baby. I, lo- I love it. He's – yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of his now. This has been a great playoff run. I like I like the pettiness, and I like building the rivalry. And, and you know, Eric Butzo is a big name, and Terry Rozier, I think, is a guy that was, like, our, our, you know, on the brink of not even being in the Roto. So, yeah. it's, it's cool that he brought it, you know, and, and won. Yeah. So and the, and the Drew Bledsoe jersey, obviously, I fucking loved. Yeah, and you just so had, I had to, to rock it. You today. had to rock it today. I had, I had to rock it today. As soon as Tyler opened the door, or as soon as I opened the front door to my house to let Tyler in, this is the I, one too. The blue one. The, yeah, the this is Patriot. the one. Yeah, and I literally doing. was just like, "Fuck yes, he's wearing this jersey." Yeah. Tyler's jersey game has been on point the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it's hey, I'm working. So my shout out this week is to none other than the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's on the newest season of Dancing with the Stars. He's paired with last year's champion, Lindsey Arnold. They survived the first round last night in the premiere episode, and he's moving on to the second round. Kareem is obviously over seven feet tall. Guess how tall his partner is? Five feet tall? Five, four. Yeah, God. Uh, my mom's really into watching the show, so she always keeps me up, up, updated whenever there's yeah. athletes on the show. So, Kareem, the TSK show is rooting for you. Hopefully, you get that, uh, that yoga, dancing man. with d- dancing with the stars championship. That yoga is keeping them athletic. Yeah, man. Um, but anyway, don't forget you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in the keyword, The Sports Kingdom Show, in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us as well. We are also now on Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash show or download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. That's it for this episode of the TSK Show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. We will be back next week with another great episode. Peace. Later.